0: Hi there, this is Alvin, and welcome to the Kickstart Commerce Podcast, where we share search marketing and domain investing strategies to help grow your business. In today's episode, our guest is Neil Bostic, founder of FIH.com, QEIP.com, and the recently launched green.com. That's dot com a private domain marketplace allowing accredited buyers and sellers to confidentially acquire and liquidate the best domains on the Internet. Today, Neil and I discuss how various corporate IT sales roles led him to discover domain investing and brokering, We then talk about how he initially invested in over 105 letter.coms without a sell and how this experience led him to buy and sell names on aftermarket platforms such as Namejet and Flippa. Neil then shares the sleep and sell story of his first ever aftermarket buy and sell domain, ordersushi.com. Neil and I also discussed the inner workings of FIH.com, a startup marketplace allowing successful online business owners to predictably and profitably exit, as well as QEIP.com, a domain acquisition and liquidation brokerage. And last but not least, Neil spills the beans on his latest innovative venture, Grain.com, the first private domain marketplace of its kind with buyer NDA exclusivity. And so with that, Neil, welcome, and thank you for making time to join us today. Yeah, thanks, Alvin. Happy to be here. Yeah, man. So to kick things off, Neil, let's briefly share with our listeners at a high level just a little bit about yourself, who you are, your personal and professional background.
1: So I am first and foremost domain broker and investor. I try to be pretty entrepreneurial, so I have a few other ventures that I've worked on and I'm currently working on all around mostly the website development uh, acquisition and branding space.
0: And so what, so I guess if you were to have, if you had to split it into percentages, like what percentage, because I know you, you have a brokerage, right. That I, that you focus on really um, acquiring and liquidation of domain names. And then um, I think you also have kind of like a, what, like a seeded funded, I guess, like, like a startup marketplace.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, I was looking at what I was doing. And, you know, there's, there's a few parts of like, you know, if you if you look at like the website kind of online business industry as a whole, you have like branding, um, you have development of you know software technologies, businesses, and then you kind of have, you know, after all said and done, you have the acquisition space. And my initial goal was trying to kind of put a piece in each of these markets, in some sort of, you know, brokerage, or kind of you know, upstart way and you know kind of my first two entries to that were with qeips you know branding helping to connect you know very high value domains to investors entrepreneurs you know, people want to use them and then last year or actually maybe two years ago now i started uh, fih.com which is the it, we call it like an m&a marketplace but it's basically a place to buy and sell you know successful websites or startups and yeah and i'm kind of splitting my time between these two things um, and within you know, the QEIP domain brokerage role, we we rolled out using some of our own technology, uh, grain.com, a project I was working on to try to automate some of the work I do as a broker, um, which which is a longer story in itself. But that's kind of just like the <laughs> highlight.
0: <laughs> so take me back then, I guess. Now, was it always your dream of to have some sort of dealings with domain names or like where did you get your start? So I mean, it was it was
1: kind of always a desire to be part of like the remote working lifestyle. Back in like you know, 2014, I was doing some you know corporate sales for a medium-sized IT company, and you know I had left that and started like a small SaaS business w- with a couple friends who were more technically capable than I was, and I was kind of <laughs> like the business guy of the group. Um, and we actually grew it to a, a decent size within like a a year. And then, you know, everyone was kind of wanting to go their separate ways. So I was kind of the one in charge of kind of liquidating and selling everything. Um, so it's kind of giving my first insight into, you know, the kind of website sale arena. But specifically, I, it was the first realization I had that there was kind of like a market for the domains. Because, you know, if you ever go through like a website sale and you're like a non-technical founder, at a certain point, I didn't really understand like the differentiation between, you know, domain and the website and like how it all worked and the fact that like they can be transferred and bought and sold. I kind of just thought it was like an industry of, you know, you you have a domain, and then once you have it, it's like yours. And people don't really trade them. It's just, you know, registration and non-registration. And then I kind of realized there's this weird aftermarket where you know people could transfer these things so easily and efficiently, and there's people around the world buying them. And I was kind of enchanted by it. And so that kind of led me in to starting to do, do some domain investing. And after about a year or so of domain investing, I, I really kind of got the, the itch to start doing some kind of broker intermediary work. Um, and with that, around 2015, 2016, I really launched trying to do a lot of domain broker deals and you know, trying to do, go into that market, you know, again, a story of itself. And, and since then, I've been working up to that, establishing a you know, role as a broker, doing some good deals. Um, in the last, you know, two years, really been working on automating some of the work that I do. And by automating, you know, it, being a broker in any industry is, it's kind of in, inherently inefficient to a certain degree. I mean, there's a reason there's brokers in industries because, you know, private deals and you know seller psychology. But ultimately, I wanted to create something bigger to try to automate some of the work I was doing. So that kind of led me into the two projects
0: I was talking about earlier. And
1: yeah, still kind of going through that.
0: So then you've always, at least from what I, I get the sense and feel of, you've always kind of more more so been in more consultant roles then and not necessarily. Because, you know, like you have you have those that are, you know, they have full time employment by by means of, you know, being a school teacher Or, you know, some sort of just traditional path, whereas I don't get that that sense with you that I I just kind of feel like it's it's more of a you knew probably that you were not going to be cut out to be an employee, but you'd probably be a better employer or entrepreneur is kind of the sense that I pick up.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, throughout my life, I've always been pretty entrepreneurial, you know, like even in like way back when. I was, you know, selling candy on the back of the bus, trying to, you know, scrap money together for little things as a as a child. And um, I always kind of like that itch. I, I never really saw myself, you know, really working for, for anyone else. And I kind of made a focus to be pretty self sufficient and kind of you know manage my finances well early on. So especially when I was starting out you know, in the first probably year of brokerage, you know, it wasn't easy. You know, I I, I was probably making a little bit over the poverty line in like the first, first six months to a year. And then, you know, after really investing the time, it slowly kind of built up and, and I was creating something that was, you know, bigger. And, and and since then it's kind of, it's been a great ride, but, you know, I think a lot of it, if anyone, you know, works for themselves and trying to be self-sufficient, you know, from the beginning, you know, it takes a lot of focus on just kind of a mindset of, of being scrappy and, you know, not knowing what you're, spending money on. And I'm kind of in a funny place of everything around me in New York. And like, you know, I'm in the West village and I have some other things that everything's very expensive, but I've kind of, I managed to just maintain a lifestyle that's pretty sustainable. I get, you know, good food, I get good, good stuff, but I don't spend over, I, I make sure I do good traveling and, and whatnot, but it's, I don't have a focus on a bunch of, you know, buying super luxury goods and, and a nice car or anything like that. It's just kind of existing and, you know, meeting all my needs and Working for yourself and devoting time to the
0: thing you care about, I'm able to accomplish a lot of that. And so then how, like from a domain investing standpoint, because I know that you mentioned you kind of got there by way of selling websites. So did you, you know, because... I guess as a domain broker um, and investor and developer, I guess you could probably categorize yourself as such across the three. Like for the domain investor that's listening, like when did you get started in terms of like buying and selling domains, like outside the brokerage? So just you as an individual um, domain investor.
1: So that was, that was that was right in the beginning around like 2014, 15. When I when I sold my you know, company website. I had some extra funds from that, and I was kind of investing in a few different things. Um, one of those, well, was, was domains, and I think I think in my original strategy, I can actually. So I, I think originally I kind of saw the landscape, and I think r- around that time I was looking at you know four letter .coms were, you know, it's a little bit of, like they weren't like expensive, but relative to like what I was showing seeing in the market, they were kind of like more expensive than you'd like, you know, three letters and all these other different you know one words across the board and i kind of saw like fiveletter.coms as like an interesting ploy so i think i bought like a hundred of those or something i just kind of like sat on them for like a year and and ultimately i i don't know if i made any money off those <laughs> but it gave me a lot of perspective on 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 kind of like what was going on and i think eventually i had my first it wasn't a big sale but it was like a good flip it was like i had order sushi.com which i bought on like namejet which was like literally my first purchase on Namejet, like one of my, probably the first <laughs> Afterneck purchase I ever made. It was, it was it was ordersushi.com. I bought it for like $140, you know, which it wasn't, a, it wasn't a big deal, but it was still like, you know, I was paying registration price for a lot of domains. So I was like, oh, this is kind of a purchase. And then it was the weirdest thing. And nothing, nothing like this happened to me, has happened to me since then. But like I bought it on Namejet, like w- within two months, I throw it up on Flippa. I put it in like at some auction at like a hundred, like $180 reserve. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to sell this. I'm going to net like 30 bucks. It was, it was just me learning. Like it wasn't, you know, I didn't really have a lot of knowledge of the space. I thought, you know, (laughs) little profits better than none, but then it, someone bid on it. And then all of a sudden I went to bed that night and like, people were just keep bidding on it. and It ended up getting up to like, like $1,800. And I was like, and, and I think that was like the real, really the spark that, I mean, the kind of like dopamine rush you get when you, get a sale that you weren't expecting. You know, when right. I was, I went to I went to bed saying like, okay, I'm gonna net like you know 40 bucks. I'm not gonna lose money. There's more <laughs> money. I mean I'd probably lose money on my time invested, but that's okay. And then I ended up you know making like a thousand something dollars in profit. And I was like, wow, this is this is crazy. Like it, I just it, it's kind of like alchemy, which is like what any investor wants to do. And it's basically you know, turning you know kind of nothing into something. Right. And I appreciate that. So I think with, with that sale, it really kind of got me in the mindset of like, I saw the term like order sushi. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like, you know, there's other order domains that sold and like, I guess people do order sushi. So I'm like, Oh, that's a good purchase. And you know, it kind of, you know, since I sold it, it, it justified kind of like the process I went through. So after that, I started doing that on a bigger scale. I think I acquired like maybe like a hundred, hundred more like aftermarket domains. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of trying to play the whole field and I kind of saw slowly evolve. And then I, then I really started getting into brokers because I saw like, you know, I don't have to buy all these. I can just kind of find good deals in the market and and kind of, you know,
0: market them. And, and so it kind of evolved through that. Ah, that sales background kicked in.
1: Yeah. And it was, it was, that was part of, part of like the experience I had in corporate sales and IT was I had an interesting perspective, which, which really translated well to the brokerage rule in that. For the IT company, what I was doing was they had some software that took all the website traffic they got, and like it could determine where each visitor was from, but in like a hypersensitive way, where like it could say that like, okay, this visitor has this IP address, and this IP address is correlated to this company, and so therefore you could say like, okay, like it was an IT company, you could see that okay, like someone at Coca Cola is visiting our website, and we sell like Fortune five hundred software. Um, and so from there, you could like say like, okay, so this person at, you know, I would put together a list of leads at Coca-Cola and say like, okay, uh, technology manager, there's like 10 of them. And I'm going to get the email for each of them. And then I send out an individual email to each of them saying like, Hey, I saw you visit our website or someone at your company did. Are you interested to talk? And and that kind of gave me some good perspective on domains because domains are not exactly the same, but I I, I use the, the same approach of kind of a scientific approach to outbound in the sense of like, I could isolate, okay, so you're this XYZ keyword, you know, what companies use XYZ in their name or their product or their industry and kind of making sure, you know, the domain itself is, is something that they might be interested to buy. And then I'd make a list of like 20 to something uh, companies that might fit the term. And then I might get like two or three contacts at each company to contact. And, and then I'd throw it all in like HubSpot or something and do some automated emails with like a template built in. So I, I had a good, my my sales really helped me from the broker role because I could kind of put technical
0: perspective on outbound that I could do some pretty scalable stuff with. So let me take you back then because you said that you sold ordersushi.com and obviously, you you thought, hey, I'm only gonna make thirty dollars. You wake up the next morning, and it's like, oh, this is uh, you know, thirty times uh, another thirty. Um, that that that's gonna come into to profit for me now. When you sold this domain, now the it, it seems to me if I'm putting together, if I'm saying A, B, C, and going in that this kind of uh, rudimentary order uh, or just thought process like I think about it and I'm like, okay, you sell ordersushi.com. So do you go back and did you go back and start buying more order plus keyword type of domains or I, like, how did you figure out what was your next step from that first initial sale?
1: So I think I, I kind of got, I tried to break it down and say like, you know, what I think this is, this is especially important in you know, domain investing, but also brokerage, you know, any person that you know wants to sell their domain with me, like, a lot of times their first question is, you know, what's it worth? You know, what, what's the value of this? And, and so from that, you know, one of the biggest value adds that a broker has in, in domains in really any industry is, you know, what, what's it worth? You know, what's the valuation? So I, I, I started to really get, again, not, I guess it wasn't really scientific, but I tried to, tried to figure out, you know, what drives domain value? What are the different variables? Kind of what's looking at it, you know? Like any newbie, I'd probably, I, I think I started out looking at like, okay, so Estebot lists these facts. And then I had a couple other ones, which I appreciated, like uh, domain index had some other values, which I, I really just use domain index to give me like domain age and like one or two other things. And I kind of see there, there's like keywords and there, how do we, and how do you quantify this? And yeah, so early on, I think there's a lot about that. And I'd look at, you know, comparable sales on DN prices and maybe name bio if it was
0: around. And uh, yeah, so, so you are using tools then to somewhat, you know, at least try to help you find your way.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it, it's, it's tough. And especially, you know, being in the space so long, it doesn't necessarily, it, it, it helps you a lot with understanding valuations, but at the same time, it doesn't help you because there's like, if you look at like value attributes, like, you know, some domains might have really good value attributes in terms of it's really old. It's, it's taken in these extensions. It's, it's got these keywords and searches. And, you know, others might have like none of that. Mm. And, you know, the one that has none of that could sell for like just as much because, you know, in any supply demand industry, you know, people just want specific domains at specific times and, and they're willing to pay a premium for them, you know, unless you're in the aftermarket, of course, you're invested.
0: So that's interesting. So you find your way through that initial sell. Now, obviously, you said that you started in that 2014 looking at the four letter, the four letter dot com domains. And so that was also right about the time. I want to say that was like the Chinese uh, domain market bubble there that we saw uh, around four <laughs> letters. So so I guess were you uh, I, were you capitalizing on that in terms of selling or more so buying?
1: I think honestly, I, I was probably losing out on a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, no, so I bought them. I mean, it's, it's funny looking back at it because, you know, 2010 to 2015, they go from like zero to like, you know, to the moon, you know, 2015 to 2000, like 17, they kind of like fall to earth. And so I was, I bought a lot of five letter, five letter.com. So I was, I was, I, I first came from the perspective of, I'm just going to register. Cause I, I really didn't understand all the options for the aftermarket Where like, you know, order sushi was the first. Aftermarket purchase I made, I think. But before that, I might have had like, you know, a few dozen or maybe a hundred five letter ones. And I think huh. the only one I, I still own from that is maybe like 2D, which is T-U-D-D-I.com, com, which, you know, it's, it's it, there are things where I was looking at it like, you know, there might not be any companies that are called this right now, but it's like a cool keyword. If I was a startup, it would be something I consider. And I looked at that for like, you know, all these five letters. Um, it ended up not really working out because when it was 2015, I was looking at, like all these four letter.coms are selling at like, you know, 500 or, or more like at a base value. And then I was like, okay, well, if this keeps up and they go to a thousand, then five letters are going to go to a hundred and all these, you know, ones I spent $10 on are going to go, you know, 10 X. And since, you know, the Chinese prices kind of fell down after that, I think kind of hurt the five letter ones, which kind of just, you know, taught me a lesson about the industry and, you know, about self-registering domains. I think after that, I, I haven't really self-registered any domains. Uh, since like <laughs> 2016, maybe 2015. A little bit of a lesson
0: that is a lesson that quite often, uh, many domain investors that will probably never hear about or ever know that's literally what they run into is the fate of going out, getting excited, hand registering your domains. Um, probably somewhat, you know, not necessarily a hundred percent using data behind their purchases, but you know, hey, I give them a good. 20 30 percent of the doubt that they're using data uh, to inform their decisions. now whether or not it's good, well, you know the, the, they soon find out when the renewals uh, come come knocking <laughs> about a year later uh, and you have to yeah. figure out is this a good domain um, to to reinvest in or should I just cut my losses and, and and I think that that's an important lesson that you know many domain investors uh, really have to learn along the way what's good. Uh, what's bad and just what's straight up ugly, um, and we probably all have those domains that have all been in our portfolios <laughs> that we just kind of cringe and go, "Oh man, I bought that and I renewed it for x x many years." Like, it's gotta be crazy.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think I think brokers have a very unique perspective on this this phenomenon. I guess the, the timeline of these people—they were self-registering domains, like a ton of them in bulk a lot of times it's like, you know, they get into the industry, they get excited, they see all these sales, um, depending on, you know, how much money they're working with beforehand, and whether they're using like, you know, the dollar deals, and dot, you know, blah, 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 and go daddy, or not, uh, they might register, you know, like 10, or like 100, or like 1000, just random domains, and kind of like, thinking you know, one of them's going to go gold. And I feel like a lot of it's kind of <laughs> self selective, where a lot of them after like a year, either like, you know, lose money, get mad, kind of leave the industry, or they they flip it around and they learn from the experience. And they're like, okay, I did this wrong. And, you know, I know what to do from here. And you know, from that angle, I think the perspective that brokers have on this that's especially interesting is like, you know, a lot of times when you're going through this perspective of the first year, um uh, I can't tell you how many brokerage requests I get for people trying to sell, you know, crap domain. And it's not just like, you know, this, this, just like this, like, you know, one or two. It's like someone. I have like a submission tool on my website, and, and people will just go through hundreds, thousands of them, and they'll they'll just be like one X
0: Y dollar stamp dot io or I, I don't know
1: something like that. And then be like hey, a strong
0: a strong password essentially.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and for other of them, the ones that don't do that, the ones that will just like list a couple. They'll go with these most elaborate stories where they'll say the domain, and they'll say like you know Nigerian currency five four six uh, dilemma dot x y z, and they'll say um, you know Nigerian government has just raised all their money in Bitcoin and and they're about to surpass all the world leaders and and there's just like you know some weird kind of like elaborate story attached and they 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 have to explain the value of the domain, which is another lesson in domaining where you know if you have to explain the value of domaining. The domain is probably not something you want to buy. I guess it, it depends on like the price point. If it's a really high value and someone doesn't understand, you know, the difference between like, you know, a hundred thousand and like a 500,000 domain, like that's one thing, but understanding the value between like a, like a, a domain that's worth nothing and a domain that's worth $50 is, is even just, you know, hard gamble.
0: And what's interesting to me, uh, so how you made the jump from domain investor to broker talk a little bit about that like when i guess i guess what was that that aha moment of hey this is probably the better path for me than domain investing
1: well i think back then it's interesting to be in here for a while because you know right now it feels very much like a seller's market um, you know, back then and for a while, it was a buyer's market from my perspective. Where I think it was, it, it was the perspective of you know, 2016. There was tons of, especially late 2016. There was ex, there was especially a bunch of you know, premium domain owners. They were interested to sell, and I think there was just a you know, large supply of these kind of people. And there's kind of every every you know, domain owner, whether you have a good domain or not usually want to sell them if you're not using, whether you say you do or you're not, you know, most people are receptive to an offer. And kind of looking at that and saying, okay, there's all these domains, there's only a limited amount of people willing to take the risk and put time into marketing them. It was a really easy sell for me to come up to a bunch of people and being like, hey, I can help you sell your domain. And, and it's an add-on to you. It's no cost. Uh, you only, only pay anything if it's successful." And I think I was charging lower commission fees than probably most other people at the time. So it was kind of like a a very competitive thing where I might've said like, you know, here, use me. I'm going to put in a lot of effort where all these big guys, you know, some of the big brokers at the time and, you know, people like GoDaddy aren't going to really put in like necessarily much attention and always be here to email. And I made sure that like I responded to most emails within like 30 minutes. And I think I was charging like, you know, seven to 10% commission, where everyone else was charging like 25% at the time. And so there's a lot of easy reasons. I think going from zero to nothing in the industry, um, I think, you know, for anyone wanting to become a broker, I mean, not that (laughs) I'm incentivized for the competition's sake, but, you know, for the sake of, you know, their own growth. I mean, a lot of it is just kind of like, you know, you, you, you spend a lot of time convincing one big client, you get one really good domain under your contract. And then from there, you can use that domain to get more contracts. And then once you get a sale, you use that to get, you know, even more contracts. And there's, there's kind of like that buildup where it all starts with kind of one, one part and, you know, getting that first domain under contracts, honestly, it's not really even that, I mean, it, it, it can be difficult, but it just requires, you know, attention and effort and professional attitude and like a process and a plan. Which you know, anyone can do. It just takes a, a little bit of discipline. But once you have that, you know, it's easy to kind of use kind of these kind of case studies for future people and being like, Hey, you know, I represent you know xyz.com, see you have, you know, com. I think you know, I'd be a good fit to help you sell. it. And uh yeah, that was that was a lot of my journey
0: early yeah. on, at least. Then I assume here that you hit the pavement and you go door knocking, essentially, I guess, to number one. I, I'm assuming that you're probably seeing domains that are out there in the market, whether it be the aftermarket being sold you know, by private party or uh, you just probably hear of names like how did you go about figuring out, OK, what domain What domain or types of domains do uh, I want to focus on and then actually go out and find the owner of those domains? Like walk us through that process of what it yeah. means to be a domain broker. Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, I think early on, I, w- I was just really hustling and scrapping to kind of get by. So my strategy was not really taking on GoDaddy, but I basically you know saw GoDaddy, they had a list of like domains under make an offer. And I kind of thought about perspective of like, Okay, I'm someone who's owned this domain since the 90s. I'm interested to sell it, but not really sure what to do. I'm probably going to go to GoDaddy and just listen it for sale, but I don't know about pricing. So I'm just going to put a make it offer. So I always kind of thesis was there's a bunch of these people on GoDaddy who aren't domainers, but they have really good domains and they need kind of professional help selling them. And so I think I made a list of every single person on there and then, or not every, per, every like high value domain. And then I think I sent, I sent purse, or maybe not everyone. Maybe maybe it was like a hundred domains, let's say, or maybe like hundred and fifty. And then I sent, you know, individual emails to each. Um, I think I had some sort of script and I'd kind of plug-in play and maybe put like a like an extra comment on each just to make sure it seemed customized. And I yeah, I sent that out. I think of like hundred emails, I probably got like, you know, five, five of those under contract, maybe. And and for me, that was a, a pretty big success. I think I got, you know, 20 responses and Getting those on your contract, it was good. I think the the first year of domain brokerages, I mean, there's there's some people who've had exceptions of this, um, and really brokerage of any role probably, but especially domains where it's it's a very long timeline to sale usually, right? Or expe- I mean, especially if you're doing you know high value domains where they're in, 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 at high prices too.
0: And we're talking um, about months. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, someone. I mean, <laughs> there's. There's examples beyond that, but yeah, it's like, so when I, so, so say I, I got those like, you know, five big domains under contract. I think, you know, one of them was like chests.com, which, you know, which just really solid. You know, they're all from like 1992 to 1995, um, just some of like the top, you know, 500 keywords in the English language. I got like five of those under contract. And uh, I think a lot of them were, you know, I had low commission, they had at high prices. So they weren't like the best deals to have as a broker. But you know, there there are things that no one was working on, and I could work. And so I spent the next you know six months to a year really marketing these, getting more clients, really investing a lot of time and trying to networking, seeing who's who, and kind of understanding you know the landscape. And yeah, it was it was it was good. I, I didn't I, I had some good like small sales. I never had any like big. I never closed any of those those big. Or I, I closed one of them, but you know, so I, I basically sold one out of five. Of them. And I mean, they're all at like high prices. You know, these are domains where the guy has been trying to sell them for, you know, 20 years. You know, I come around in like six months and I sell one of them, which I kind of felt good about, but I was still kind of felt bad because um, I didn't fully understand part of the brokerage role. But you know, that, that was also part of the journey where, you know, any broker, you know, time is very important in the sense of I know now little things I did, you know, from 2015 <laughs> to 2018, they just like. They, they crop up, and I realize, "Wow, a small decision back then just earned me like you know ten thousand or or what whatever dollars just just like it was a miscellaneous decision I didn't even think about just related to, like created a contact for me who came back to me all these years later and you know got me a good deal and it was kind of that perspective, which I think is helpful for any business and then any relationship industry where you know the the factor of time can really never be appreciated, and I think you know. Any company that stays around long enough, they get some sort of success. I mean, that's that's like, you know, especially, you know, hard ones where even people scraping by from day to day, you know, it's it's very telling that, you know, 90% of businesses fail within the first few years because the businesses that stay around long enough. We're able to get, you know, reputation, word of mouth, and people recommending them. And, you know, even like your podcast, you know, like like you've been doing this for a decent amount of time, you know, but, you know, the longer it takes, the more reports build up, the more, you know, referrals, the more contacts, the more conversations, you know, little things you did, you know, like maybe like this podcast somehow builds a connection where, you know, a few years from now, something comes up by, you know, you recommend me, I recommend you and some big deal gets done where we both share. And it's just little things like that. I was realizing were very important. And, you know, it's it's things we know, but it's, you know, things we take for granted a lot of times, I think.
0: Gotcha. Now, did you start out just kind of, uh, I I guess, you know, typical entrepreneur? Did you start the path of, hey, you just kind of hung out a shingle and then you started doing domain brokering under a brand? Or did you go under your own name at first? And how did you make that that jump from just, uh, you know, Neil Bostic to, you know, to finding a brand?
1: I was pretty much a brand from day one or maybe maybe I, I did a little bit before that. But when I was really serious about it, I just. I think my first step was, you know, creating the website and creating the website is not necessarily what's important, but more so about like, you know, what kind of branding language do you put on the website and kind of how do you frame it? And I originally picked uh, picked QEIP um, because I kind of had the angle of branding of like, I wanted to create my own term, but I wanted to make it relevant and I wanted to make it short so it had a little bit of high value. And this was at a time where I wasn't spending a crazy amount on domains. So I was like, you know, four-letter domain. It's like, you know, it doesn't it didn't cost me a ton, but you know, it's better than like a lot of the other domains out there. So I was like, that's ah, it's it's okay. I originally came with the perspective of like I was a very investor first broker, where I try to help people, you know, buy and sell for investing sake, and and trying to see how how that would play along. So uh, QIP, I think originally, I've gone through a few uh, <laughs> acronyms for it, and I think. Now I just say QEIP just for the sake of just like whatever. But you know, I don't I don't have a set out acronym now, but I think back then I was calling it, you know, QE investment planners. I think I went to like qualified experts on internet property for a little
0: while. And um I don't know, I was just
1: playing. I mean this is one thing with acronyms. You can kind of play with it and be like, ah, oh, it's this and that
0: So that's interesting. So quantified experts on internet property. So I never, I never would have thought of that. And and I knew there had to be a story behind why you chose what you chose. Um, And I was like, man, what, what could that possibly stand for? (laughs) Yeah, it was just
1: me being scrappy early on trying to pick like a, a decent brand, but something that's unique enough, but I don't know.
0: <laughs> so so it was, is it just you today or it, do you have a team of, of uh additional brokers?
1: Yeah, so I've kind of evolved a- around the years and I've kind of like you know, any business is experimentation. So mm-hmm. I've I've had times where I've had a team of about like 12, 13, I think, um, where I'd have like six or so, you know, part-time brokers. People with doing outbound and kind of relationship management, I kind of coach them about like you know how to how to I, I'd give them a list of all of our premium domains under brokerage, and I'd say like you know find a buyer, you get you know X Y Z percent of the the commission, and and also you know if you add these domains, you get this extra, and and so I, I was I, I had I had those kind of people for a while. Also, a, a core part of my outbound strategy was generating leads. So I would take a domain like. You know, let's say like chess.com and I would say, you know, I'd find 20 companies that would, uh, or, basically I, I, I had people where I'd, I'd outsource labor to Philippines and Vietnam and Thailand where they would basically for each domain they would research and they'd pick out, you know, 20 companies. And for each domain, we had on a brokerage, they they'd do this and they create a list of each of each company. And, and then from there they'd put like the top three contacts in each of them. And then they'd put like phone number, Email name LinkedIn profile, and then we plug that all into HubSpot with like the templates built in with their sequences. So they'd like each person would get like three emails within a, a two month period or something, and it would, it'd all be automated. So the, so the key of our model was to give to give you background like the insides of like the secret sauce of a, of of my brokerage and probably a lot of others. Uh, I don't know how many you know, brokers give you their secret sauce, but basically a lot of the work I spent. Was either in you know getting sellers on board, doing transactions. Sometimes for really big domains, I do networking myself. But for the most part, I'd get domains under contract, and then I'd 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 put my workers to work and have them generate these lists of contacts for each company, or for each domain and each company. And then they would automatically put in the HubSpot. And then you know once a week, I just press send on the HubSpot sequences, which would automatically send these emails to them over a two month period which basically automated most of my outbound. So I could kind of focus on the important parts of generating or like getting contracts for these domains while the actual, you know, time, because I mean, lead generation and getting contacts and deals is is the most time-consuming part of it. And I realized that it doesn't necessarily take a lot of high value labor to do a lot of the lead generation. So I might as well outsource. And that's outside of a few, I mean, there's a lot of good deals that get done by top brokers where it's key networking. And then that's the other side of deals where to really get some big deals, it's kind of like you have to have uh, this person, you know, go to this company and like, you know, have to grab a beer with the CEO and be like, Hey, like, you know, this is a cool domain. And, and so that's, that's one way, but the other way, as far as like cold outbound goes, you're better off outsourcing it to a degree.
0: Mm. Which then so so you do uh, Qeip and then as of what last year? So I guess September, sometime around September twenty twenty one. You mm-hmm. then launched a whole new, um, a whole new venture, and I think it's what uh grain, grain. And Green. so, for uh, the listener that is listening, you're probably <laughs> thinking of grain like wheat. Um, but this is grain spelled <laughs> differently, uh, being g r a e n dot right? Yeah, r i p okay. on
1: the the radio test. Uh, ah. <laughs> g yeah, g r a e n. Com. And yeah, basically, Rain was, you know, I, I spent a lot of work automating my brokerage on the, you know, marketing and, and operations side. But I realized a big part, you know, big part of what I was doing was, you know, onboarding the clients and going through this whole process, which was also very time consuming, you know, where I could as a broker and you know, as any broker, you can only have a certain amount of clients because, you know, each client you have, you have to maintain and you have to you know, keep them in contact, and respond to emails, give them updates, you know, manage the timeline. And that's a very time consuming part and the way that a lot of you know marketplaces you know solve that part is through you know having everything automated where you like if you sell on Flippa or Cito or goDaddy you press you know list your domain you verify ownership you press you know what they might say like what's the suggested price and then they you know list it and what I realize is that's a, that's a good model for onboarding the customer but for actual execution of the sale and especially on the investor market it's it's pretty inefficient. And so I created grain as the first private domain marketplace. And I say private in the sense of you know, each domain we list has, this is another innovation we had of, of NDAs on each listing. So you as a buyer, it's basically buyer exclusivity instead of seller exclusivity, which is like a flipping of the model, which you know, uh, no one's really done so far, as far as I'm concerned. Um, We're basically, we, we say that, okay, you have a really high value domain, come to grain and sell it, and you know, unlike in most brokers, would would have exclusivity for the reason of like you know, there's a lot of reasons to have exclusivity on the seller. Um, but we were flipping, it and we're like, you know, we actually don't need seller exclusivity if we have buyer exclusivity. And we realized, you know, in a in a seller's market like it is now, this model made more sense. And there's a lot of other reasons for the you know the private domain marketplace, but it's basically overall giving the experience of a domain broker and all the access to deals that you know dealing with domain brokers has but with the efficiency of a marketplace. And so more commentary on that is that right now there, there's a decent amount of deals that get done on public marketplaces but the, the, the majority of big investor deals where people are buying like in two letter, three letter, one word .coms does not happen on marketplaces. A lot of it is all broker enabled or it's you know private Party selling. Um, and the reason for that is, you know, people who own these domains, the moment you list something that a really good domain is for sale for a good price, it actually devalues it, is, is the ironic part because there's exposure risk. And, you know, any any buyer that sees, you know, this really premium domain is for sale publicly, it now lessens the value in their head and they feel more access to it. And, and you know, any deal is negotiated on. So if you list, you know, domain.com at like, you know, 500,000 and you know it last sold for like 3 million. And, and this is a great deal. And if you, but you, if you list it for sale publicly for five hundred thousand, chances are, maybe not in our market, but in the, you know, the normal market, you know, people are going to be like, okay, I'm not paying, paying five hundred thousand. Maybe I'll offer four hundred thousand, or maybe it's less than that. And, you know, if the market, if the domain stays in the market for too long. It's going to be even less than that. So a lot of good deals weren't happening on marketplaces because of this this privacy factor. And so some people might say that you know the, the grain model is decreasing transparency and that's bad for the domain industry. But reality is that most of these big investor deals are already getting done under the table, and grain is operating as a source to kind of not replace the broker, but kind of enable sellers and even brokers too to list on the platform to get you know the Efficiency of a marketplace, but the you know experience of a broker and, and the access to deals that you know talking to brokers gives. You. Um, and so that was there's a lot of different tangents there, but I hope that made sense.
0: <laughs> no, I think I think that makes sense. So, and if we put it, so if we put it juxtaposed, say something like Grain versus Dan dot com. Like, how, what would you say is the, you know, what's the different differentiating factors uh, amongst the two platforms? Like, when should someone choose Grain and when should they not choose Grain um, in terms of, you know, their overall objectives of trying to either buy or sell a domain? So Grain was launched October 1st, I think, of, of
1: last year. And it was kind of like a beta launch. We were still developing the technology. And, you know, we kind of just, you know, Pick and choose a name, kind of threw it together. We knew it was a really good concept based on my experience, and I just kind of got some good feedback. We've still been developing it since then. Everything's you know still kind of a it's it's fully operational and good, good to go. But there's still some torques to be added and some different features. But starting out and how it is now, it's it's a niche platform in the sense of it's specifically for high value domains from a broker from an investor's perspective. So the way I like to see it is like. Any the qualifications for listing on the platform are that um, it has to be a domain which you know people an investor a domain investor would consider buying in the aftermarket for ten thousand dollars or more, and so from that it limits it primarily to a lot of you know three letter .coms, one word com, some really good two letter or some really good two word .coms, and then. You know, just really premium ones like that. So kind of isolated it to that. Cause for the really the lesser known domains, like uh you know, if you if you have like a domain you want to sell for like like a thousand bucks or maybe less than that, and, and maybe it's like a a decent term, but it's not super high value, there's not really a reason to make it private necessarily because there's not really any exposure risk. You know, if you're if 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 you have a, a domain that's valued at a hundred thousand dollars, like a real valuation, a hundred thousand dollars, and you know, you you price it publicly on a marketplace like Dan and you know, everyone sees that it's listed for this sale for this amount then there's a lot of exposure risk you know the value of the domain could decrease in the short to intermediary term you know to like let's say $50,000 or something just because of the fact that it was listed publicly and all these people know about it and now no one wants to buy it versus you know if you have like a domain that's worth like $100 and you and, and then you list it for sale for you know $100 or like $1,000 or $100 whatever you know that's not going to if if you list a domain greater than its value you know, publicly, there's no exposure risk theoretically um, but the people that want to buy it is, is a lot less likely. so right. Dan, there's a lot of complex psychology at play here that you know will make sense to a lot of you know experienced domain investors, but you know a little bit less so for other people less involved. So it's basically you know it, it, it's a platform for deals and basically trying to enable buyers and sellers in the market to acquire you know high-value domains in an efficient way. And the way we do that is we can close deals in less than, you know, we've had, you know, five, six figure deals in less than, you know, 12 or 24 hours, because we do just direct wire transfer. We have like a wallet feature. We give, you know, free valuations for each domain. We have our own internal valuation tool that I, you know, custom made the algorithm for. Um, And we, 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 there's different things where if you sign up and you kind of go through the platform, you'll realize it's, it's pretty different than a lot of other ones and you know everything unlike Dan, everything's application only you have to you know uncover each domain you want to you know consider buying. And the whole idea for it is that we're listing all the value attributes for the domain and basically if you're interested after seeing all the value attributes, you can you know sign the NDA and, and uncover it.
0: That's different.
1: yeah and so we we try to list and we're this is a thing where we're keep trying to add different valuation metrics. So like right now I think we list you know comparable sales, we list we're a partner of .db.com, so we list a bunch of their statistics, which is my favorite valuation metric. Between like you know number of TLDs taken, number of keywords with or number of domains with keyword, these kind of things we list. We also we also list age, TLD length. So it's, it's so so like coming on there as an investor, this is the good perspective I'll give you. So if you're if you're a buyer coming on there, you can see that if you go on GoDaddy right now, there is not like any three lettercoms for less than like fifty k, let's say or like, you know, Cedar or any of these big marketplaces, there's there's none of these kind of deals. But if you go to like our platform, we can say, show that there's like, okay, so there's a three letter.com with like 50 TLD, 50 TLD taken. It's from, you know, 1998 and a lot of the comparable sales show that it's probably in the format of like CVC, where it's, you know, consonant vowel consonant. And you can see that it's priced at 40K. And, you know, you as a buyer can go on there and you're like, okay, this this fits all the metrics of what I'm looking for, for a domain. And you can kind of filter that with our marketplace. And then all you have to do is uncover. And if you uncover it and you like the domain, you send the wire, receive payment within you know a couple of hours. And then we prompt seller to transfer. Once they transfer, we send wire transfer to seller and deal's finished. So um, then
0: does does it cost the buyer then to, because you're, you're or I'm just using the term that you're using to to uncover that domain. So to reveal that domain, does it cost that buyer?
1: So originally uh, we, we, we're big on feedback. So early on, to uncover domains, you had to verify your identity and you would had to provide proof of income or proof of funds. And it was just trying to make it more like exclusive and trying to like promote just like really serious buyers. Um, we didn't get a lot of good feedback on that. It was, it was all through APIs, which one was them was through Personify or Persona. And then one of them was through Plaid, which are both, you know, billion dollar tech companies who have APIs with basically verify identity and funds. And so it was like quick and easy process. But, you know, as you can imagine, most domainers, or not quick or not quick to kind of give this sort of things up. So within like two months of launch, we got some good feedback and then we took it away. So now you sign up and I think you get 25 free, what we call investor passes, which investor passes allow you to uncover domains. So as it currently stands, like each month, you'll get 25 investor passes. So right now, I think we might have like a hundred something domains on the platform. All of them are like one word, three letter. There might even be some two .com and some like you know, two word, some really good two word ones on there. And maybe some like one-letter.de domains and like other miscellaneous. Um, and all of them are pretty well-priced. So if you have 25 investor passes, that means you can unlock 25 of them each month. So you can see all the statistics for them and you can kind of see, you know, which ones might interest you, which one might not. And, and based on your, your thing, you're limited, but at the same time, like, you know, with 25, you can pretty pretty easily isolate, like these 25 are going to be ones I'm interested in, these 25 are not. And yeah, we're, we're, we're building upon that. And uh, I think I think in it's like, you know, true state, this platform, in my ideal world, would have around like a thousand good deals with a lot of active buyers and sellers. Right now, we have like a we have a long list of domainers, and every every like you know day, I kind of look up and I'll say, oh, that person signed up or this person. But we haven't really set up a lot of the marketing efforts of it. So like you know, basic things like you know automated weekly emails showing deals and, and this and that um, haven't really been added to it yet. But still, we've we've kind of we've got some good action, and currently there's a lot of good deals on there still, and we've gotten a, a few good
0: sales. Uh,
1: but it's all a work in progress.
0: Now, one, um, now one area that that it kind of makes me want to really, really focus in on, knowing that it's a marketplace that supports both buyers and sellers of domains, is so like, and and I kind of refer back to Dan just because that's probably a platform that most people, especially within the domain industry, have come to uh, really understand or understand the workings of how it all works at a. Mm-hmm. Simplistic level. And so just pose towards Dan. Now, one of the key issues of Dan is, you know, and I I don't know if anybody has solved this. And if they do, oh, my gosh, they're going to probably make so much money. But it's the, you know, the accountability of like the other day, I received um, a $70,000 offer. And of course, I I typically already know when I receive anything, especially like a million dollars. It's kind of like okay, well, one Dan doesn't necessarily verify that, but mm-hmm. it kind of gives the appearance that grain. So, so has grain been able to tackle that whole feat of? Being able to to really understand who's the accredited buyer versus someone that's just, uh, you know, the proverbial tire kicker, we'll call them, of just throwing in some sort of make offer. Like, how do you verify, or is there a way that grain verifies or limits the proverbial tire kicker from ever reaching, you know, the seller?
1: Good, good question. Um, I, I think there's a few things that give us a leg up on Dan there. I originally uh with our verification we were like you know 100% we would there would be zero risk of any of that because you know people had to verify their funds and their identity you know anyone that does that is not going to be they're not going to send you some offer that they're not going to actually make but since we really took that away there's there's a few things so right now you have to uncover the domains and and i think a lot of the, those people who offer those crazy amounts for domains are not number one they're not experienced number two they're probably unsure about currencies I've had deals on Dan where it was like 50,000 or more where it was like you know it was a, it was like a okay domain I was like sure uh, I'll sell it. I think I think it was it was, it was northkoreans.com. I had I had northkoreans.com and someone offered me like 50,000 on it and I was like sure and I d- I just sold it. And then I was I was just expecting payment or something and and it just like never happened and you know this and that and I I haven't really used Dan since then. So since you have to uncover each domain it kind of limits the ability of people to do that. I think I think the bigger thing here is that Brain is a very you know investor driven platform. And one of the things we're developing, we, we already kind of have developed, but we're still working on implementing is a landing page feature, which you know great or Dan.com is really an, an end user platform. It's not really an investor platform, you know, like who really goes on there and, and really scopes for deals and trying to and trying to buy something that they want to resell or, you know, buy something that, you know, it's it's a platform where, you know, your XYZ, your XYZ company, you want to buy XYZ.com. And when you, when you search XYZ.com on, you know, in the internet, it goes to this page and you see it and you're like, oh, they offer payment plans and they, they offer this cash and like, okay, I'm interested to buy it. And, you know, with that perspective, when you have that, it's going to drive huge amounts of traffic to your landing page. And so you might have a lot of people who otherwise would never go to a domain like, like a domain sale page, just go to them because it could be the website went down. De- there, there could have been a big website on this domain, and it went down, and uh, now it just directs to your for sale page. And so, all these people who wanted to use the domain, maybe may, maybe they're confused and they're not the most intelligent in the world. And I think this is where a lot of offers come from that, or maybe they don't speak English, and and maybe there's a language gap. But it could be like may, maybe like you had like some sort of like off brand Netflix or some sort of like video site where people spend like you know ten dollars a month on. And you know, it gets shut down. You buy the domain. It now redirects to your Dan page. And some pro- someone who has prescribed that website now goes to the page, searches it. And now goes to this Dan page. They don't read between the lines, and they they, re- they think like the offer is like the price you pay, and and maybe you know, ten dollars in US is like you know, seventy thousand in their home currency. And you know, they they press seventy thousand, they submit it, and you know, not knowing what's doing. Then then they realize what's going on, and they're like, oh, this doesn't make sense. And so that's kind of how I think about it. And to, to get around that, you really have to be able to emphasize the clarity of what's going on and also putting in extra steps. Like the uncovering feature of ours helps with that a lot. The kind of people we're offering, you know, 70,000, you know, are not necessarily, you know, the people who are, you know, care about NDAs or anything, but, you know, we have, to, we have people sign NDAs as buyers and, so there's some enforceability of like you know if you make an offer you're required by law to pay. But I think at a certain point you know there, there's we we did more and we could do more, but it's at the cost of you know the, the same people. So like mm. it, it's kind of and, and anything is like a trade off. And so we could do that, but it's probably going to piss off the sellers more than it's going to intrigue the buyers. I think it's just kind of
0: kind of got to live with it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that many people have probably chosen to do that. Of uh, you know you either uh, ignore accept or just reply and play along with the game. And if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, well, you know, you, you've you had those deals before. Yeah. Now, one of one of the interesting things to me about the, the site green.com. So what types of, you know, price range wise in terms of what we're talking about, it seems like we're talking about anything probably north of $25,000 and higher should be uh listed and considered for this marketplace is that correct or am i making things yeah. up
1: yeah i i think formally we say around like ten thousand, but yeah i think i mean there's like make an offer feature and there's other considerations about how to do things so we, i mean it could be do once less than that but i mean so the whole the whole the big value add that i think is also here is that you know i personally vet all the sellers and i personally vet each domain and you know, I could outsource and just put like, and, and put like a, you know, if we really get scaled, I can kind of outsource. It. I can put like a metrics on, you know, what are the qualifications and what we're looking for. But in general, I mean, it another key thing which you know I, I need to emphasize is that it's application only. So you basically go in uh. and try that. You have to submit your domain and you have to apply to list it. And so we only we have like a hundred something domains on our platform. But we've had like, you know, probably a thousand or 2000, maybe more domains that I've applied. And so for each of them, I basically say like, you apply to list in the apply to list process, like very simple. You basically press, um, you know, there's a button in the corner that says, you know, sell my domain. You press that. It then says, uh, you know, what's your domain? What's the format? You know, is it one word? And if you say one word, you do like subtype, is it a plural noun? Is it a verb? You know, whatever. And then you put minimum price. And then after you press, you press next. And then you go to proof. And then with proof is you just like, you input like a screenshot of the the domain in your like, you know, GoDaddy account or whatever. And then you press next, and then it just confirms all the information. It gives you like an instant valuation of your domain to ensure that your price isn't aligned with what it is. And then you press submit. And then once you press submit, I get in the back end, and then I can press, you know, accept or reject. And you know, once I press accept, it automatically goes into your account. So it's live on the marketplace, and you can now see it managing in your account. And, and the the account management feature is pretty sophisticated. Where we have a seller dashboard, a buyer dashboard. The seller dashboard shows like you know all your listings, all your offers. You know what listings have sold. It also shows stats of applications. It also shows you know what valuations you've done. Um, and then the buyer dashboard has you know the the same. You know what listings have you uncovered which have you won, what offers have you submitted, you know, et cetera,
0: et cetera. It's really interesting. So no one can actually come through then and try to submit, you know, their entire portfolio to you um, in one bulk option. Yeah.
1: We've only had a, a few scenarios where like one, one of them was kind of, we, we individually do everything know one-on-one, but we can also like for, for brokers we know or people we like I know, I can upload things in the back end directly. So if like someone had like you know a bunch of really good domains they wanted to sell for a good price. I probably wouldn't do more than like 20 or 30 at a time, but even that's like a lot of domains, especially if they're really high quality. Uh, but I can upload them in the back end and like attribute them to a certain account and kind of do it all automated for you know people who don't. But I've had people who have just like signed up and then like, you know, this kind of like crazy domains I was talking about where it's you know, Scout X546 dot XYZ or. Or, or whatever. And uh, they, uh, I, I just try to make up things that I think are crazy. Oh, but basically they, they, they'll go on my site and they, they submit like 30 or 30 or, or, I had one person submit like 60 of them. Um, and that was just not a fun time. Cause like they have to do it individually where each domain they have to, you know, quick the domain format price. They have to do proof for each one. And imagine doing that 60 times. Like this one person, I think they're from India. They spent like, it must've been three hours like just inputting domains. Or maybe, maybe, Jeez. maybe a little less than that. But, um, and then it was, it was kind of, I, I kind of felt bad at the end because I went through in the back end and I just had to spend five minutes pressing like reject, 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 reject. And each time they do that, they get like an email. So this person went wound it must have wound up with 60 rejection emails in their thing, which you know, doesn't really feel good to anyone. I try to emphasize on the site that it's most, it's only for really premium domains, but it, you know, not everyone, the, the valuation tool helps, but the, our valuation tool you know with the advent of all these different extensions it's it's very accurate for the for for normal domains but once you start using you know re- like just new extensions that are they're different it can sometimes give higher valuations than it's probably possible
0: yeah cuz i was going to yeah. ask like how do you handle i mean obviously .com has been around since day 1 so the those are Easier domains to handle, but how do you handle things like .vc, .cc? You know the country codes, or even you know new extensions like .xyz, which seems like it's at least the one word .xyzs are catching on fire um, as of this recording. And so, how do you handle those that, that 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 come through the marketplace? Good point.
1: So the valuation helps a lot. Um, we try to we try to emphasize like I think our our core niche is the same that is my core niche for brokerage which is uh, one word and three letter coms. Um, we'll do others outside of that, but that's just like an easy way to kind of reference it. But like you as a seller will go through and like, I could use the example of like alvin.com. And so if you go to our site, you do like instant domain appraisal, you click on it, you input alvin.com. It will show that uh, this is another cool thing about our site, which is, a, is our, uh, another differentiator, is that we're like one of the only people who have, we have a short term and a long term price suggestion. So for Alvin.com, for an example, like the long-term you know, appraisal is you know 159,747. And then we have the short-term price suggestion of like 45,642. And then we say, you know, it's five letters, it's taken in 135 extensions, domains with keyword is 21,562. Um, and then the age is you know 27 years old. And so, you know, I think it's I, I think a lot of like the GoDaddy and other different places often will give like less valuations because they want to incentivize their sellers to do lower, which, you know, increases the value for them and their, or their amount of sales. Um, but we try to give real pretty accurate ones based on our experience. Um, and the way that, I mean, algorithms are very hard in, in, in adjusting everything. The necessary thing is not easy, but we, from my, pers- for my you know experience, I have a good handle on valuations. For the most part, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, you know, modest, but I think that, our our valuation tool is is the best one I know of in terms of like you know ease of access for just the average domain, especially you know .com and whatnot. But it, the key is we use good data endpoints and we keep it simple. Our valuation tool does not use comparable sales at all. And you know, comparable sales can be very helpful. But you know, if, for any algorithm, if you put too much data, it actually gets worth less to a certain mm. point. So ours just starts out with a couple basic basic assumptions from my perspective, and then kind of has different value things where you, you say like, okay, this, so this is, uh, you know, shorter domains or it, it, it's, it's basically like a sliding scale of, you know, okay, shorter domains are worth more. You need to have this amount of TLDs taken to be worth X amount. Um, if your domain's keywords above this, it, it it creates this added value. If the domain's this old, it adds this value. And then they say, okay, so if it's .com, it's it's this value. And then any... Uh, top extension is going to be this value, and then if there's like a hyphen, it, it takes away this by a third, and and, and there's just kind of these these basic things running. But if you, if, if you go through the site and, and try to evaluate like five domains, I think I think you'll be very you know impressed by its ability to kind of handle them. I think for the most part, but yeah, I think for your question, so doing the really off extensions, the way we deal with it the smartest way is to kind of ignore them, but it, <laughs> in the sense of it treats it treats any. Any non.com.net.io.org domain is like, just, it doesn't matter. So like mm. if you look up like Alvin dot. So if I were to type in alvinbrown.com. Yeah. Okay. So so I'll give you an example. So Alvin dot like a, or, or let, let's say that like off extension, Alvin dot a. it says long-term price suggestion of like 15,000 short-term price suggestion of like 4,500. But you know, I, it, it, it's basically like there's just like a, it's that it doesn't get like it gets a lot less accurate when it's like an off extension, but at the same time, it still factors in at a certain point. So it's it's really ideal for dot coms, um, but it kind of works for most most others. Um, so if you did like so alvinbrown.com is you know long term price suggestion of, of ten thousand, short term price suggestion of two thousand.
0: It must not um, know who I am. That's wrong pricing. That is wrong. <laughs> pr- it's too low. It's too low. We're missing a few zeros and commas. Yeah. <laughs> and like, then if you do, yeah, not right.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then if, if you do like, I don't know, like Alvin the the long-term price suggestion is $128 and the short-term mm. price suggestion is 37. So the reason why alvinbrown.com is probably higher is, is, is because there's probably a lot of people with that name or there's, there's a lot of, you know, searches and, and there's different people who use different extensions of it. So it factors things like that, where, I mean, any domain is supply and demand. And the best way to understand, or any price is supply and demand. And underst- understanding how supply and demand affects pricing is about competitiveness. And I think the reason why is my favorite data is because if you understand how many TLDs are taken, if you understand you know, how many domains have the keyword in them, you know, this, this data can be manipulated to a certain point where like someone could go and register like, you know, 50 like Alvin extensions or something if they wanted to. But for the most part, you know, if you go for a broad set of data, it evens out. And so you can understand, you know, if this domain is taken in 50 extensions, this one's taken a hundred extensions, you can, you can do extra math there to figure out the, that this actually not only is taken a double the extensions but it has double the, double the keyword searches, that's has double the number of companies with it. And there's kind of this like inverse relationship. It's not one-to-one, it's more of like a logarithmic curve but there's like a really interesting data experiment there where if you use dot tb as the center it actually correlates to a bunch of different other data mm. and so that's the key of our al- algorithm and it's interesting to kind of kind of look at that
0: i'm pretty sure there are probably going to be many folks that they hear that instant domain appraisal and while some you know they probably have an ag- adverse reaction to it there are many that'll probably you know try to give it a spin just to see uh, what happens and what they come up with, uh, and so it sounds like—I mean, it—it it really sounds like then you're really dialing in on one connecting the right sellers and buyers together in a shorter time frame than what it would take, probably j- even using just traditional methods.
1: Yeah, I think again, it was—it was my work in trying to automate what I did at Qeip and trying to give like an alternative. So, like, you know, the people who want to, you know, sell their domain themselves. They don't want the inefficiency of a broker. They want to be able to track everything on the site, but still want to get the attention and the limited perspective of that. Like if you listen on do, like dan.com, you're one of like a million domains. But if you, know, you list and get accepted on our site, you know, all, the, all the people coming onto our site as buyers are all you know, credit individuals who are interested in purchasing high value domains. And, you know, you're one of a thousand domains, let's say. And so it, it poses a great opportunity for you to get a quick sale, but also it poses a no risk opportunity because since there's no exposure risk and there's no exposure risk because, you know, the buyer exclusivity and the NDA you sign and you know, we say it. So you, you can basically see on our site, you know, you could list, like, say you had alvin.com. You could list it on our site for, you know, 150,000 and, you know, you know, that you would never list it for 150,000 on a public marketplace. Because you know that people would probably use that price against you in the future if you didn't sell it right away, but you know that you could you could list on our site because you know that only a very few people are going to see it, and the very few people that are able to give you you know liquidity and it benefits you. Um, so you're able. I mean, a lot of times, like I think that a good psychology play on this is is the reason we have our private marketplace is the same reason that almost all really high value domain owners won't price their domains. you know if you look at like a list of all the really best domains that are you know for sale on the market or, or could be considered for sale, none of them have pricing and they're all making an offer and it, it, a lot of brokers will do the same thing whether they'll say like make an offer or request price or like you know something like that and the reason is because of this exposure risk and by having our automated platform for private domains, we're able to mitigate this exposure risk and able to give you know the access to deals that people get, when they talk to brokers but with the efficiency of the marketplace. And you know, I think a lot of people, especially buyers too, are worried and this is, you know, domains real estate whatever. Uh, when when you see a property for sale or you see it like, you know, there and they say like request price or like see what we're doing, especially like domains are like wild west of, you know, property or like property sales. So, you know, the seller could come up with like, you know, a million different numbers. or the broker could even do that. So they say like, "Oh, you you have you know, alvin.com for sale like and you're like, oh, I'm Alvin. Like, what's the price? And like, oh, the price for you is uh, $10 million. But really, you know, the price is probably a lot less and they want you to negotiate and go through hoops and wheels to try to figure out a deal. But our, our thing is we say, okay, this is a five-letter domain taking 135 TLDs from 1995. Um, it's a one-word first name and it's in a .com extension and the price is 150000 And so you know from the first hand that you're going to get the deals already there. You just don't, you have to need to confirm that it's the name that you think it is, or it's the right name for you. And there's, there's a little flexibility built in there that you need to be more focused on value attributes. And that's kind of the investor perspective, but it's really helpful too. I was, re- I was reading an article from, uh, I, think, I think it was the founder of Stripe, which is you know, the- Yeah, the payment. Uh, multi, yeah, like you know, tens of billions of dollar payment company. Um, and when they were talking about figuring out the domain, you know, Stripe.com, surprisingly, they said they did it with flexibility. They said, I didn't really care what domain we picked. I just wanted a one word.com and I wanted it for a good price. And, you know, for I mean, so our, our platform is primarily an investor platform, but for people like that, you know, the entrepreneurs who have the foresight to see that, you know, I just want a really good domain and, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily need to pay, you know, millions or, you know, tens of millions of dollars for it. You can come to a site like ours and say, like, okay, so here are 50 you know, one word.coms we have available. You got to be flexible on which one you choose, but, you know, all of them are really good deals. They're, you know what keywords they are. You just got to be flexible on which ones you choose. And you got to do a little digging. And from that perspective, I think there's a lot of potential for our model. And, you know, as it gets built out, you know, I mean, it's it's on its finished part. We're, we're really adapting to feedback based on what people want, but we, we want to make it right now. It's pretty niche, but we are planning to make it a lot more friendly to different people, you know, outside of just investors. and And I think we're going to do some added portfolio things with, Landing pages and trying to give people the experience of a broker, but with you know the scale of a marketplace and just different ways. So I think we're we're exploring a bunch of different things.
0: That's awesome. Well, it seems like you've you've really, I mean, you've got your work cut out for you, obviously with QEIP and then obviously with Grain. Now, do you see any other ventures that could likely pop up on the horizon for you?
1: Yeah. So I mean, it's 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 the thing with being an entre- like entrepreneur, like entrepreneurial minded. Like you know, I, I there's so many different ideas running through my head at a certain day. And you know, I really know that to really have this successful company to any degree, you really need to step back and just kind of focus on one thing. And you know, I get sometimes I get overwhelmed and kind of like like, oh, I gotta do this, this, and this. But really, I'm trying to centralize and kind of utilize resources for for similar things. But I think I'm spending I'm spending less time on QEIP and trying to really invest more time in building the like the the grain, the grain brand as well as you know, the 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 FIH. But ultimately, they're all in a similar wheelhouse of, you know, digital asset sales and coming at it from the investor perspective. And I think from that model, you know, companies like Flippa and such kind of integrate them in their own ways. But I think separating them with a more like, you know, web 3.0 kind of perspective, I think is kind of where we're trying to be. And definitely a lot of work to be cut out. I'm really, I'm really passionate about, you know, grain and kind of the innovation that it has. But yeah, it's not, it's there's been a lot of work spent to try to you know help educate people on this model because it's not it's not necessarily an obvious model from the get go. Like if you take like a normal person, even like you know there's some experience domain investors might see it but like this doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And so you kind of gotta read through the lines and understanding you know the psychology at play and kind of why these things exist because it's not always intuitive. And right. you know trying to and that's hard for a brand. And I think that's something that we're working on for the future to try to be able to easily communicate you know, why this exists and like why, you know, out of the, right now, there might be like 50 domain marketplaces, and we're the only private domain marketplace, you know. And so we have to say, you know, why are we that? Why or why did we make this change? And we're trying to be a disruptor in that fact, and, you know, any disruptor, you know, it takes a lot of work early on to try to communicate that. Um, but yeah, it's a journey. I'm, I'm happy to be honest.
0: So then, if we have, if we are having this conversation, because at the time of this recording, it is early January 2022. So if we come back by the end of this year, so December 2022, or even another year out in 2023, like what will Grain have accomplished? Like, what is your hope for Grain? So first and foremost, I think right now,
1: our, our big folks have been trying to get on sellers and trying to, you know, get more domain under us. Um, I think getting my goal is to have a you know, thousand domains on the platform by end of the year. It's to have a very high sell-through rate. You know, platforms like Dan, Flippa, even a lot of brokers, you know, people's sell-through rate is is, you know, it, it changes. And, and a lot of domain people have pretty low sell-through rates. And I think a, a focus on the platform with being an application and whatnot is to have a really high sell-through rate. And you know, because we're private and we do NDAs, a, a lot of brokers and marketplaces like announce sales as big marketing values. Cause they can say like, you know, we, we help sell this domain for $5 million and, and it's great. But you know, if we, if, when we do that kind of stuff, we, we can, we're not, we can't announce any of that. So a lot of our marketing is going to be on other sources and that mm. can be a little tough, but I think part of that is it, we're going to be able to use the, the sell through rate as, as a good, as a good measure, which it's not going to be easy upfront, but even saying that like, you know if we had a sell-through rate of like you know 20%, that's probably immensely better than like, you know, Dan.com probably has a sell-through rate of you know 0.5% or maybe less than that. And you know, coming from that perspective, that's what we're competing on. I think opening up the platform to portfolio owners is a big part. So if you don't have one of these really premium, you know, ten thousand plus domains, we want to implement or we we already have created this, but we need to still uh, install it. Is a landing page feature where we have really high converting landing pages that I personally designed. And I know from my brokerage experience are like some of the top ones where basically it's it, it, there's supposed to be a flip version of the, the marketplace. So you know you don't have a premium domain, but you have like a thousand or a hundred good domains that you want someone to you want some management on. And basically we'll represent your domains as a marketplace, like kind of like the Dan.com marketplace or the Dan.com landing pages, but there'll be a broker behind them. Um, so if you contact you know, this domain on our, our landing page, it comes to like, our brokers and we'll, we'll, our brokers will work with you. Um, and, the, and the cool part of there is we're, we're experimenting with, instead of hiding the domain and showing the price, we, we're going we're gonna to hide the price and show the domain. But it's going to be a cool way where it's basically like, you, so, so say, again, I'll go back to the alvin.com example. You own alvin.com, you put it to a landing page that goes to our page. You go to you know, click alvin.com, it goes to the landing page. Um, it shows alvin.com is for sale and it has these value attributes, maybe some other information. And it says like a button that says, you know, click here to uncover the price. And then when you do that, you basically input like your phone number, your email, a few other things, and it instantly shows you the price or something, or maybe there's like an added thing. Um, but that's something we're kind of playing with, uh, just kind of opening it up to more people because we don't want to be like a super niche platform, you know, just being a, a small High high value investor space that 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 could be a niche and a good focus to differentiate us early on. But you know to really be a, a business that survives in this landscape, stay. We got to be flexible. We got to be able to address more users.
0: Right, and I was about to say, it seems like you're you're catering to to growing both sellers and buyers, albeit you know it, from the standpoint or viewpoint of buyers. I would imagine. Um, and this is just me thinking out loud in terms of wanting to connect with the buyer. So it's, you know, likely communicating with them. Now, are there like notifications of when certain domains get added to the system that buyers are notified?
1: We're working on that right now. That's like okay. one of our big pushes. Like um, we spend a lot of time developing certain things and you know, developing, I mean, a lot of people use like templates and like different software that's pre-made. We custom build everything which you know comes with its own things if it's a lot you know harder to manage and it takes a lot more to implement certain things so (laughs) so we're we're trying to implement that pretty quickly um where i from qeip one of the things that really i didn't mention this yet but one of the key resources that that i did that differentiated me was you know i've been doing a newsletter every week for the last four or five five years at at this point maybe Um, so every tuesday i do a, a newsletter that showcases some good deals whether they be you know three letter one words and miscellaneous ones, and I just kind of send it out with a little commentary, and it's not you know huge, but it's, it's just something I've been doing for a while, and I got a nice mail list of you know a few thousand people. And um, so, from that same perspective, I, I think I've been using that to promote Grain a little bit. And that's kind of how I got a lot of my first early users on it. And I'm, I'm looking at that, and I think part of the way I, I move on is, is, is doing the same thing where I get a new newsletter list of just Grain domains, and I'm trying to do it in an automated fashion where. You know, every week it's gonna showcase these are the new uh five deals that are listed. It's gonna show like the like the you know, how many TLDs are taken, what format is it, um you know, one word.com or three letter or whatnot, and just the price. And so you can get an email every every week that says, okay, there's like a new three letter.com for sale at 30k with you know 50 TLDs taken, like you know, click here to uncover the domain. And so th- I think that is, is is part of the next evolution. It's a small thing, but you know, we we're just going through some development stuff. So it's going to take a, it takes like a few weeks or maybe a month for us to put that in.
0: That is awesome. Well, uh, wrapping up here, I mean, is there anything that you would like to share with the, the, the listeners, buyers, sellers that you, know, you haven't mentioned or you'd like for them to know? I think I, think I did a lot of it. Uh, <laughs> uh, He's like, if I didn't cover it in an hour and 30 minutes, I don't know what else to say. No, I
1: think, a big, like I said, a big part of our thing is feedback. So like
0: I'd invite everyone to kind of test
1: it out, you know, whether you own a, a premium domain or not, like, you know, go through the kind of test it out, go through the process, you know, uh, you know, submit a domain if you want, but don't submit, don't submit too many, ideally. <laughs> um, he said one, uh, not
0: thousands. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, I think we love feedback. So, I mean, if you, if you I mean, well, what, what ended up happening, we did this early on. It, it's kind of a, you know, ego destroyer. But, you know, we, we got feedback early on and I think I got like you know, 20 different emails about this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. And we tried to change some stuff and make it better. Um, so if anyone wants to you know, keep up and, and tell us what to change, what to add, you know, we love, we love the feedback and uh, it's very appreciated.
0: And then if if there are folks who, you know, because there are likely folks who who may say, well, hey, Neil, I want to get in contact with you directly in regards of having a conversation, whether it be about grain or whether it be about possibly you brokering domains on their behalf. Like how might they get in contact with you?
1: Yeah, there's a there's a contact page on QEIP's website, I think, if you press closings. Um, you can also email me at uh, Neil at QEIP.com. Feel free to. Feel free to contact.
0: Awesome, man. So with that, we're out of time. So Neil, thank you again for joining us today and sharing your entrepreneurial journey as it relates to domain investing and domain brokering.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Alvin. I really, really appreciate it. It's been, it's been a fun time.
0: Yeah, um, you too. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to Kickstart Commerce, where we share search marketing and domain name strategies to help grow your business. Please subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or Podbean. Last but not least, please visit kickstartcommerce.com to subscribe to the newsletter sharing tips and tricks about the disciplines of digital strategy. Thanks. And that's all for now.